Letter forty seven of Clarissa Harlowe or the History of a Young Lady, Volume seven. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee. Clarissa Harlowe or the History of a Young Lady, Volume seven by Samuel Richardson. Letter forty seven. Mr. Belford to Robert Lovelace, Esquire, Wednesday, July twenty sixth. I came not to town till this morning early. Poor Belton clinging to me as a man destitute of all other hold i hastened to smith's and had but a very indifferent account of the lady's health i sent up my compliments and she desired to see me in the afternoon mrs lovick told me that after i went away on saturday she actually parted with one of her best suits of clothes to a gentlewoman who is her mrs lovick's benefactress and who bought them for a niece who is very speedily to be married and whom she fits out and portions as her intended heiress the lady was so jealous that the money might come from you or me that she would see the purchaser, who owned to Mrs. Loving that she bought them for half their worth. But yet, though her conscience permitted her to take them at such an under-rate, the widow says her friend admired the lady, as one of the loveliest of her sex, and having been let into a little of her story, could not help shedding tears at taking away her purchase. She may be a good sort of woman. Mrs. Lovick says she is. But self is an odious double, that reconciles to some people the most cruel and dishonest actions. But nevertheless it is my opinion, that those who can suffer themselves to take advantage of the necessities of their fellow-creatures, in order to buy anything at a less rate than would allow them the legal interest of their purchase-money, supposing they purchase before they want, are no better than robbers for the difference. To plunder a wreck and to rob at a fire are indeed higher degrees of wickedness, but do not those, as well as these, heighten the distresses of the distressed and heap misery on the miserable, whom it is the duty of every one to relieve? About three o'clock I went again to Smith's. The lady was writing when I sent up my name, but admitted of my visit. I saw a miserable alteration in her countenance for the worse, and Mrs. Lovick respectfully accusing her of too great assiduity to her pen, early and late, and of her abstinence the day before, I took notice of the alteration, and told her that her physician had greater hopes of her than she had of herself, and I would take the liberty to say, that despair of recovery allowed not room for cure. She said she neither despaired nor hoped then stepping to the glass with great composure. My countenance, said she, is indeed an honest picture of my heart, but the mind will run away with the body at any time. Writing is all my diversion, continued she, and I have subjects that cannot be dispensed with. As to my hours, I have always been an early riser, but now rest is less in my power than ever. Sleep has a long time ago quarrelled with me, and will not be friends, although I have made the first advances. What will be, must. She then stepped to her closet, and brought me a parcel sealed up with three seals. Be so kind, said she, as to give this to your friend. A very grateful present it ought to be to him, for, sir, this packet contains such letters of his to me, as compared with his actions, would reflect dishonour upon all his sex, were they to fall into other hands. As to my letters to him, they are not many. He may either keep or destroy them as he pleases. I thought, loveless, I ought not to forego this opportunity to plead for you. I therefore, with the packet in my hand, urged all the arguments I could think of in your favour. She heard me out with more attention than I could have promised myself, considering her determined resolution. I would not interrupt you, Mr. Belford, said she, though I am far from being pleased with the subject of your discourse. The motives for your pleas in his favour are generous. I love to see instances of generous friendship in either sex, but I have written my full mind on this subject to Miss Howe, who will communicate it to the ladies of his family. No more, therefore, I pray you, upon a topic that may lead to disagreeable recrimination. Her apothecary came in. He advised her to the air, 
and blamed her for so great an application as he was told she made to her pen, and he gave it as the doctor's opinion as well as his own, that she would recover, if she herself desired to recover, and would use the means. She may possibly write too much for her health, but I have observed on several occasions that when the medical men are at a loss what to prescribe, they inquire what their patients like best, or are most diverted with, and forbid them that. But, noble-minded as they see this lady is, they know not half her nobleness of mind, nor how deeply she is wounded, and depend too much upon her youth, which I doubt will not do in this case, and upon time, which will not alleviate the woes of such a mind. For, having been bent upon doing good, and upon reclaiming a libertine whom she loved, she is disappointed in all her darling views, and will never be able, I fear, to look up with satisfaction enough in herself to make life desirable to her. For this lady had other views in living than the common ones of eating, sleeping, dressing, visiting, and those other fashionable amusements, which fill up the time of most of her sex, especially of those of it who think themselves fitted to shine in and adorn polite assemblies. Her grief, in short, seems to me to be of such a nature that time which alleviates most other persons' afflictions will, as the poet says, give increase to hers. Thou, Lovelace, mightest have seen all this superior excellence, as thou wentest along. In every word, in every sentiment, in every action, is it visible. But thy cursed inventions and intriguing spirit ran away with thee. Tis fit that the subject of thy wicked boast, and thy reflections on talent so egregiously misapplied, should be thy punishment and thy curse. Mr. Goddard took his leave, and I was going to do so too, when the maid came up and told her a gentleman was below, who very earnestly inquired after her health, and desired to see her. His name Hickman. She was overjoyed, and bid the maid desire the gentleman to walk up. I would have withdrawn, but I suppose she thought it was likely I should have met him upon the stairs, and so she forbid it. She shot to the stairs head to receive him, and taking his hand, asked half a dozen questions, without waiting for any answer, in relation to Miss Howe's health, acknowledging in high terms her goodness in sending him to see her, before she set out upon her little journey. He gave her a letter from that young lady, which she put into her bosom, saying she would read it by and by. He was visibly shocked to see how ill she looked. "'You look at me with concern, Mr. Hickman,' said she. "'Oh, sir! Times are strangely altered with me since I saw you last at my dear Miss Howe's. What a cheerful creature was I then! My heart at rest, my prospects charming, and beloved by everybody. But I will not pain you.' "'Indeed, madam,' said he, "'I am grieved for you at my soul.' He turned away his face with visible grief in it. Her own eyes glistened, but she turned to each of us, presenting one to the other, him to me as a gentleman truly deserving to be called so, me to him as your friend, indeed. How was I at that instant ashamed of myself, but nevertheless as a man of humanity, detesting my friend's baseness, and desirous of doing her all manner of good offices. Mr. Hickman received my civilities with a coldness, which, however, was rather to be expected on your account, than that it deserved exception on mine and the lady invited us both to breakfast with her in the morning, he being obliged to return the next day. I left them together, and called upon Mr. Dorrell, my attorney, to consult him upon poor Belton's affairs, and then went home and wrote thus far, preparative to what may occur in my breakfasting visit in the morning. End of letter 47